I feel like my life would be a lot more productive and better if you guys would follow me everywhere I go and just play some background music. Uh, well, grace and peace, everyone. Grace and peace. Yes, yes. Uh, we are starting a new series tonight. I'm so excited. Uh, we're starting a series called Proverbs. Uh, believe it or not, it's based on the book of Proverbs <laughs> in the Bible. Uh, I'm really excited about this uh, for a couple of reasons. Uh, one of them is uh, we want this to be uh, sort of like our My Story uh, series that we have. We want this to be sort of a continual thing that we do throughout the year. Uh, there's so many good Proverbs uh, that uh, give great wisdom, uh, so we don't want to just do a quick little series about it. We want to do one. Uh, we'll, we'll do one next week, and then we'll take a break, and we'll do one probably in March and in the summer, so I'm really excited about that. Uh, the other thing that I'm excited about with Proverbs is so many of us have this notion uh, with Christianity or with faith that it is all about uh, only spiritual things or only eternal things. Uh, when reality, uh, faith, Christianity, uh, has a lot to say about our practical things, like the here and the now. Proverbs is a part of the, the Bible that's called uh, wisdom literature. It's Israelite wisdom literature, and wisdom is concerned with practical things. Uh, Eugene Peterson says it like this, Wisdom has to do with becoming skillful in honoring our parents, raising our children, handling our money, conducting our sexual lives, going to work, and exercising leadership, uh, using words well, treating friends kindly, eating and drinking healthily, cultivating emotions within ourselves, and attitudes towards others that make for peace. Uh, threaded through all these items is this insistence that the way we think of and respond to God is the most practical thing we do. I just love that. Uh, we are going to get into some wisdom, and today we're going to get super practical about uh, how does this wisdom apply to our lives today. And so we're going to focus on one proverb tonight, and it's one of my favorite proverbs, and so let's go ahead and jump into it. And let's do something. We don't normally do this. So let's throw that proverbs up on the screens, and I'd love for us to just read this aloud together. All right, here we go. There's a way that appears to be right but in the end leads to death. There's a way, there's a path, there's a road that appears to be right. It seems to be right, it looks correct, uh, but in the end it leads to death. And I love this verse because this verse is a paradox. Uh, paradox is something that seems a little backwards. Uh, it seems to be one thing and it's actually the opposite. It's sort of upside down. And, and what we think is right uh, what appears to be life is actually death. And here, uh, the word death uh, doesn't mean like a physical death necessarily. Uh, we're talking about ruin or destruction or our downfall. And so today, I'm really excited. I'm a four on the Enneagram, if you guys get into the Enneagram. And so today, we're talking about paradoxes. And as a four on the Enneagram, I love paradoxes. And so we're, we're going to be looking at different paradoxes. Now, uh, years ago, I was in South Af Africa, and uh, I got this uh, chance to go down to the Cape of Good Hope. I think we have a picture of that. The Cape of Good Hope is a historical place. It's the southernmost tip of Africa. And at the very tip of, uh, of the Cape of Good Hope, there's a lighthouse. And you can go to this lighthouse, and you can take a tour of it. 
and you can see uh, this, this famous lighthouse. So I'm going on a tour. I'm with a group. We had been on a mission trip, and uh, we go to this tour, and uh, there's this tons of people in this huge lighthouse. And the tour guide says, uh, okay, we're going to go this this lighthouse, but it's not actually sort of the historical lighthouse that's been around for ages. This is a new one we built. There's another one that's lower down. We just don't advise many people to go down that road uh, because it's treacherous, it's narrow, and, uh, yeah, a lot of people couldn't handle it, which, of course, I'm like, uh, that's the one I want to do. You had me at treacherous. <laughs> so uh, me and a, a couple of my buddies were like, okay, we're going to do that one, like the real one. Uh, so no one else is going down that path. There's even a gate with a lot of warnings like, do not, you know, go <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. And so we go through uh, this gate and we walk down and he was right. It was pretty treacherous. Uh, it was rocky. It was hard. But we finally get there to uh, this age-old lighthouse that had been there for years and years, and it was glorious. It was magical. It was so pretty. And then we decide to walk back, and uh, again, it's a little treacherous, a little hard. And as we're walking back on this path, uh, we start hearing something in the bushes, like a little bit of a rustling. And then there started to become more rustling, like on both sides of the bushes and all around the bushes, and just rustle, rustle, rustle. And, uh, and I looked over, and at one point, I saw a baboon, okay? Uh, yeah, here's a picture of baboon in case you're not, uh, you forgot what they look like. <laughs> uh, baboons are super cute. They look super friendly. And uh, I, I would have believed that until uh, like an hour before, the tour guide had told us to be careful about baboons because baboons are so strong that they could tear your arms off. Uh, so I had this in my mind as this baboon's looking at me, super friendly. I'm thinking to, like, he's thinking in his mind, who are these people that are trespassing on my path right now? And so we start, uh, we try to walk fast and they start following us. They start getting on the road. We start getting surrounded by baboons. It was so intense. At one point I was, uh, felt like I was like a true man or something. Cause I was like, you guys come around me. Uh, we'll be safe. I was like, I had no plan at all, but I was like, okay, that's something. Uh, so it ended up, uh, we're super for freaking out, but the baboons just run up the road, and they ended up going up higher. And we're like, well, I guess it's over. And so we walk up the road. We get to the area where everybody else was, and there's people running around. They're like, there's baboons everywhere. <laughs> we had somehow stirred up the baboons from the bottom, and they're coming around up top. At one point, I literally, this is not a joke, I saw a baboon take a backpack off an old lady, open it up, and take out her water water bottle, unscrew the lid, and was drinking the water bottle. <laughs> it was crazy, and it was so cool. It was awesome. Uh, here's the There was a path that was easy. <laughs> there was a path that everybody else went on that was comfortable, that was normal, that would have been the easy way to go, uh, but we took the road less traveled, uh, to use the cliché. Uh, we took the road that was harder, uh, that was narrow, that was uh, less traveled. And honestly, it's one of my favorite experiences that I've ever had. It was so life-giving. It was so fun. It was so memorable. Uh, and that, my friends, is the paradox. That is a paradox. Jesus talks about this very uh, paradox. He says this in the book of Matthew, Enter 
through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. See, there are ways that appear right. There are ways that our culture is accustomed to uh, that most people travel down. But it's not the way to life. Uh, It's the harder, uh, the more difficult path that actually leads to life. And so today we're going to look at some different paradoxes uh, of this way. Uh, Ways that appear right but lead to destruction. Now, this is going to be important for those of you, even if you're not a Christian in this room today. Uh, These are practical things we can take with us. Uh, These are important for us uh, regardless of what life circumstance we're in because many of us have tried different paths in this life, and it's not working. Uh, It's not giving us life, and we keep coming to dead ends, and we need a new way of thinking about things. So we're going to look at a few different paradoxes. The first paradox that we want to look at is what I would call the paradox of pleasure. Okay? Sounds like a band name, right? That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. It's an emo band for sure. Uh, So paradox of pleasure. I have this uh, trick-or-treat bucket right here. It's written on it, C-O-E-N, which is Cohen. That's my son. Uh, This is a trick-or-treat bucket we just took a couple weeks ago. I have noticed that the candy is starting to get lower and lower. Uh, my, I'm suspecting that uh, my wife is stealing some of his candy at night. It's definitely not me because I have a moral code that would forbid me to do that. Uh, <laughs> something about that has surprised me about being a father is how much enjoyment I get uh, from seeing my kids experience pleasure. It's so fun for me. Uh, it was so cool to go trick-or-treating. Uh, I'd love to show you tons of videos, but you don't have time for that. Uh, <laughs> but we would go to the houses, and they would get so excited to knock on the door, and they get a candy. You know, they get to that one house on the neighborhood where they get a full candy bar, and they're just like, wow, it's amazing. And uh, we don't give them a ton of candy, but we'd get home, and we'd give them a can- just a little candy bar. And just to see in their eyes uh, just the excitement, and they eat it, and they're so pumped. Uh, similarly, uh, occasionally, I will take our two oldest kids on a daddy uh, date to the donut shop, and it's just amazing to watch them get a big donut that barely fits in their mouth and just watch their eyes get big, and they get so excited about it. It's really, it's really fun for me to see them experience pleasure, uh, but I would be a pretty horrible father if I said to them, hey, I know you love this so much why don't we just do donuts for every meal the rest of the month, you know? Or why don't we just take this trick-or-treat candy and let's just do it every night, right? I'd be a pretty horrible father. Why? Because this kind of stuff doesn't actually nourish them. It's not actually nourishing. And this is the paradox of pleasure. What instantly gratifies us doesn't deeply nourish us. The things that instantly, immediately make us feel good, make us experience pleasure, they usually don't deeply uh, nourish us. And I know this is sort of 101 level. I get this. But most of us are still battling with this paradox today. I know I am. Uh, Pleasures 
feel super life-giving in the moment. Uh, like, what's more life-giving than food? Like chocolate or popcorn, in my case. It feels so good and immediately. Uh, what's more life-giving when you know you have a full night to watch the show Su- Succession on HBO? or ben- Yeah, okay. Whatever your favorite show is, to binge that show. Uh, super life-giving in the moment. Or maybe uh, Instagram. Man, I don't know if you've ever been caught in that uh, that time warp where you start looking at photos and it's like an hour later and you're like, where have I been? What happened? Uh, just the instant buzz. It's so life-giving. Uh, porn can be like this. Instant hit. Instant hit. Shopping can be like this. Uh, you see that buy now. Buy now. And it gives us immediate gratification. Uh, hitting snooze can be so <laughs> gratifying, right? All these things are gratifying in the moment, but they don't actually nourish us, you know? Like, high-calorie foods don't actually give sustainable energy. Uh, They make us overweight, Uh, speaking for a friend. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, Yeah, thanks, Dan. Um, uh, We numb ourselves, right? We numb ourselves on Netflix or Instagram, uh, but it doesn't leave us satisfied. Actually, usually we're more dissatisfied, actually, actually, after we binge watch. Uh, Porn, consumerism, uh, we get addicted to the hit and the buzz that they give us. Uh, There's this ancient philosophy uh, called hedonism that's been around for a long time, and it's sort of based uh, on this uh, chasing of pleasures and desires. And uh, one of the earliest writings in humanity is the Epic of Gilgamesh. And the writer uh, in, this, uh, in this writing gives this advice. He says, fill your belly day and night, make merry. Let days be full of joy, dance and make music day and night. These things alone are the concern of man. Uh, another hedonist writing uh, from ancient Egypt gives advice to follow thy desire as long as thou shalt live. Pursuing our pleasures is not a new strategy. Uh, for the entirety of humanity, we've been trying to find life through pleasures and desires. Uh, now, uh, we have the problem where we can get our pleasures as fast as we want them, and we can get them instantly. And it's a common strategy, but the Proverbs wisdom uh, reminds us what appears to be right leads to death leads to ruin. Attempt after attempt. You guys know this. I know this. We've experienced this. What instantly gratifies doesn't actually deeply nourish us. So what nourishes us? What satisfies us? Both practically and spiritually, it's usually the things that are harder. It's the things that are slower. The things that take more discipline and effort. Uh, The things that don't reward us instantly, they reward us over time. You guys have heard this phrase, learned this phrase, uh, delaying gratification, delaying the instant pleasure for the deeper reward. So practically, how can we nourish ourselves? Maybe for you, uh, it's really practical, uh, eating, exercise, sleeping in ways that nourish and give your uh, body energy, uh, taking care, care of this temple that you've been giving by going out into nature. Uh, creation. Uh, There's been a recent study. Just being exposed to green space uh, will help lower your blood pressure, 
just getting out into God's creation uh, could be a practical way for you. Maybe for you, uh, you need to learn how to take a Sabbath and rest. Instead of always numbing out on social media or Netflix, uh, actually taking some time for solitude uh, to meditate, to write, to read. Maybe for you, you just need to slow down. Slow down. Uh, There's this quote we say at our church a lot by Dallas Willard that just uh, speaks to me, to my soul. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. For hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our world today. That's so good. The buzz of our phone, the rush of an email or a text, uh, the thrill of multitasking. Uh, They seem to be right. They seem to give life, but they bring us down. Uh, They wear us down. How can you slow down and cut out the noise? So this is the paradox. What instantly gratifies us doesn't deeply nourish us. It looks life-giving, but it leads to death. Uh, Next paradox. Uh, This paradox I call the paradox of performance. Paradox of performance. Uh, Now, uh, many of you, probably most of you, heard about uh, this college admission scandal uh, that broke news this summer. Uh, I didn't know a lot about it other than Uncle Jesse's wife from Full House had something to do with it. Uh, but as I researched more and more, uh, I'll show you a picture. This is sort of the mastermind. Uh, he came up with a scheme. His name's William Rick Singer. Uh, this guy, uh, in a sort of brilliant, albeit immoral, scheme, uh, he made $25 million over seven years. Uh, and he simply did this. He helped wealthy kids and their parents cheat their way into college. Uh, $25 million. There's a lot of interesting things we could examine in this situation. Uh, but one question I would ask is why this desperation from these families to get their kids into these colleges? Why? So here's the deal. There's a path and a road uh, to climbing the ladder of success and performance. And this was the next step. There's a road to achievement and performance. Uh, You get this college, then you get this job, then you get this promotion, get this influence and these achievements to the top of the ladder. And these things appear to bring so much happiness in life that people are desperate, desperate to uh, make it happen. You and I, we live in the epicenter of this, Silicon Valley. How many people have moved here uh, to, to strike gold, uh, to go public at some, day, at some point, uh, to raise money from VCs? How many people want to boost their resume or LinkedIn? Uh, these achievements, they seem to lead to life, to wealth, to happiness, uh, but it's false. How many people are on this path uh, but are dissatisfied, uh, facing burnout, uh, loneliness, it's a never-ending ladder. Uh, Tom Brady is a quarterback, for those of you who don't like sports ball. Uh, most people think he is the best quarterback of all time. And after Tom Brady won his third Super Bowl, uh, he had, uh, I think at that time he had already married his supermodel wife. Uh, he, he did an interview, and he said this fascinating thing that I, I think is so interesting. Uh, this is after he had won his third Super Bowl. He says this, 
I mean, uh, maybe a lot of people would say, hey, man, this is what it is. I reach my goal, my dream, my life. Uh, me, I think, God, it's got to be more than this. I mean, this can't be what it's all cracked to be. I mean, I've done it. I'm 27. And what else is there for me? It's interesting. Three Super Bowls by the age of 27. See, this is the never-ending ladder. Once I get this job, I'll have it made. Uh, Once I'm my own boss, life will be easy. Once I get this promotion, this recognition, uh, the work, the performance never ends. Of course, here's the work is great. We're created to uh, make beauty in this world, to work. But here is the paradox. Here's the paradox. Uh, There is a difference between a career and a calling. Here it is. A career is based on performance. A calling is based on service. A career is based on performance, achievement. A calling is based on service. Uh, we think that finding the right career path will bring us life, but usually it actually brings more troubles. Uh, Our work is meant to serve and bless others. This is the kind of work that gives us deep life. And here's the deal. A calling is not just ministry. That's not what I'm saying. A calling is simply this. It's something you are uniquely uh, made, uniquely gifted to do. It's something that you're passionate about that serves others and makes others better. Uh, A calling is not about money or promotions. A calling is deeply fulfilling because it's not based on selfishness. A career is based on performance. A calling is based on service. So the question we have to ask is, how can you turn your work into a calling? Uh, Maybe you'll never make money doing it. Maybe uh, it'll take you years to get there. Uh, This will look different for each of us. Maybe it's the job you're currently in, but it's a a different kind of mindset. Uh, But this is where life comes from not from endless performance. Okay, next paradox. Paradox of people. Sticking with the P's here, you know. Uh, Paradox of people. Uh, So for me, all my life I wanted to be a rock star. Uh, When I was a kid, there's these things called Walkmans. And they had a cassette tape, and you put the Walkman on. And I would, uh, after everybody had gone to bed, I would get out of my bed. I'd put my Walkman on, and I'd play some rock music and my headphones, and I'd get out a tennis racket. And I would get I'd get on my bed, and it would be a stage. And I'd play air guitar all night long to these uh, probably Christian rock songs at that time. <laughs> and, uh, man, I love this concept of being adored by others, being liked, uh, being praised. In college, I, I finally got this opportunity uh, to, to play music in front of just tons of people. Uh, There's this citywide gathering, uh, junior high and high school students from all over the city, thousands and thousands of students, and I was the lead singer and, like, uh, guitar player for this night, and it was so thrilling. It was amazing. We played this song, Life is a Highway by Rascal Flatts. (laughs) People went nuts. Um, It was amazing. It was truly just invigorating, that many people just playing music, And, uh, man, I just felt alive in that moment. Uh, But here's the thing. The next day, I woke up, and nothing had changed. 
Uh, nobody liked me more. and In fact, nobody even remembered me from the night before. I wasn't happier. I was still the same. I wasn't more liked. Uh, I was the same. Many of us uh, face an addiction of people approval. We have this desire, this disease to please others. At work, we want to want people to see how great we are. Uh, we want to increase our likes on Instagram. Uh, we want others to think we're attractive. Uh, some of us, we want others to think we're funny. Not me, but other people. Uh, status. Status plays a huge role in life. It feels great in the moment to be liked, to be praised, to be adored, to feel popular, feel worthy. Uh, here's the problem. It's a never-ending cycle. It's a never-ending cycle. One day, someone will like you, and the next day, they won't. <laughs> uh, you might be physically attractive to some, but not others. Um, your physical attraction will fade over time. Some people will hate your jokes, speaking from experience. Some people uh, just like you to get something out of you. It's a never-ending cycle, and it creates an addiction in us. It creates envy. It creates fear. Uh, my wife, Lori, one of the things I love about her is she is sound weird, but she's not impressed with me. <laughs> uh, by the time we had started dating and got married, I, I was playing music a lot around town, and uh, we were playing uh, for big crowds sometimes, and occasionally someone would come up to Lori and be like, oh, it's so cool that your boyfriend or husband plays music, and she's like, Meh. yeah, sure, <laughs> and then uh, over years, you know, I just uh, would speak or something, and uh, she she's just never been super impressed, which might sound mean, don't get me wrong, she is a huge supporter of me, the biggest supporter of me, uh, but she, her love is not based on the things that I do, right? She's looking at my soul and my heart. She looks beyond all the things I accomplish, and she sees the real me. She's not impressed uh, by the things I do, and also when I mess up, when I make mistakes, uh, she's not uh, freaked out by that. Uh, so here's the paradox a lot of us face when it comes to people. It's better to be known by a few than liked by a lot. It's better to actually be known, right? To be known. Someone to actually know us, the real us. Our struggles, our background, our history, our dreams, our mistakes, our desires. To know the real us and be liked by a lot. There's a way that appears to be right in our culture, to be liked, to be adored, to have tons of followers, but this leads to ruin. This is the paradox. How amazing is it when you have somebody that you don't have to put on a show or pretend, uh, when someone actually sees your heart? They know your flaws, but they still love you. Uh, they care for your heart more than what you produce or bring to the table. Someone who pushes you holds you accountable, God, who has your back. It's better to be known by a few than liked by a lot. Now, all these paradoxes uh, sort of culminate in what I would call the ultimate paradox. Uh, Jesus 
uh, has this crazy thing that he says that just blows my mind every time I read it. Uh, in the book of Matthew, Jesus uh, says this weird upside-down phrase. He says this, whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. It's, it's an insane paradox that we find life through death, through sacrifice. Jesus uh, goes to his death. He goes down this literal road uh, called the Via Dolorosa. Often his journey was called the Passion because it was his passion, his love for others that compelled him to sacrifice his life. And three days later, we get this beautiful paradox that in the ultimate defeat ended up being the greatest victory. The road to death ended in resurrection and new life. And this, is, this act is why we are here. It's why we gather in this room today. Because Jesus, uh, his paradox... His sacrifice and his death created a movement, a movement of people that decided to go on a totally different path than everybody else. These people uh, died to pleasure. These people died to performance. These people died uh, to caring about the status of others. And they embraced a new kind of way of living. They gave up their own money and they gave to those in need. They gave up wealth and titles to serve the world. They gave their lives to tell others about Jesus. They suffered ridicule and abuse for a different kind of kingdom. And this, this, my friends, is the way that we are being called to. There's a way that appears to be right, but leads to ruin. There's a way to this world uh, that seems to be right, but it brings death. And then there's another, there's another way. There's a paradoxical way that's hard. It's countercultural. It's upside down. Uh, but this is the way to life. It's the way to Jesus. Let's pray together.